0: bubba the hunter podcast
1: mutability will be key um jack runs his mouth a little bit too much sometimes doesn't necessarily know what he's talking about so
2: yeah that was that was a bubba story you know we're we're just a bunch of bubba's talking about fishing so that was definitely a bubba story and that's pretty accurate how it went down i was uh, a little distraught at the time so bubba
0: don't care Bubba just wants to go hunting, man.
2: Let Bubba. Bubba go. don't care. I like it.
3: <laughs> just some plain and simple average folks, right? That's
0: it. Like so that's Bubba. I've
3: fished, I've ice fish in ice shanties. And prostitution was running rampant. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Real-world things that Bubba's gonna use. I'm gonna tell you right now, that's what we want to hear too. You gotta finish it off. Not just kill it, but you gotta grill it. You guys are doing good. Holy crap, I can't believe something <laughs> that big and powerful is in
2: the water, like with me. It's like taking a duck leg and supercharging it with duck flavor. Nice. Char- this is making me hungry uh, here. Like that. That, roll. So- now, my only requirement is to be home by dinner time. So I get up in the morning, I can go fish, like I'm going to work, come home. Same routine. That's really
0: cool. It's not gonna be just rainbows and butterflies the whole time. <laughs> there are gonna be some hard decisions that have to be made at some point.
2: Wow, that's Bubba the Hunter in a nutshell, man.
3: All right, here we are, episode 10 of Bubba the Hunter podcast. Here we go. Episode 10 brings some new looks to the Bubba show. As we dive back into some Bubba news topics with first time co-hosts, Mr. Jack Mickey and Dr. Alex Minning. You know, let me take a moment to mention these talks. We'll certainly bring some interesting, maybe some fun, uh, probably some fights, uh, arguments, and everything in between with these two as they join us. So future episodes, Look out, here we are. Anyhow, on to episode 10. Jack and I talk with the doctor covering two news topics the real pandemic, aka the tick demic. You know, folks, let's just establish this right here, right now. Bubba would rather get the Rona than Lyme's disease from ticks. Bubba does care. We tackle the recent news story out of Florida on the invasive species realm with the devastating invasive snail in Florida. Like, Florida needs another invasive species problem. Especially as we just finished up an episode with the snakeaholic covering pythons and how massive an issue they are. Nonetheless, we cover, though, this invasive snail issue and what it all brings. And bubba beware of this monster snail. And, of course, the main segment, last but not least, with Mr. Eddie Weber, the Severn River Angler. You know, Eddie and I had a very good discussion. Eddie brings a wealth of knowledge on the Seven River and Chesapeake Bay. Eddie talks about pickle fishing, as he calls it, the winter snakehead, which I love. And I can't wait to hit some pickle fishing this year, knowing that. And of course, there's no episode that doesn't go without talking about snakehead fishing. You know, don't let Eddie sell you short. This guy knows fishing, and he knows the water's in around Chesapeake Bay, growing up on the Seven River. Uh, And especially his newfound love for snakehead. You know, he's a humble man, though. He credits the group of his angler friends with bringing him in the, into the snakehead realm. Just to name a few, Mr. Steve Kahn of High Octane Custom Baits and his fishing tournament buddy, Channel Marcus Fishing, a former guest of the Bubba Show. And of course, you know, he talks about the camaraderie and just uh, everyone that uh, on the High Octane Custom Baits Pro Staff team. Sounds like they have a really good group there. And, uh, you know, that's what makes fishing fun too and hunting. And uh, Eddie and I talk about that getting involved in snakehead fishing and with his uh, pro staff team there. Sounds like a good group of folks. So, yeah, on to episode ten of the Bubba the Hunter podcast. Let's jump into some Bubba news and uh, get this show rolling.
2: Time for some Bubba news.
1: Okay.
3: So for some bubba news for episode 10, we caught this, I came across this article here guys, the invasive snail. So not only is this snail invasive, but this Florida town faced a quarantine over the invasive snail. Crazy. So this Pasco County, Florida is under an agricultural quarantine following the discovery of an invasive giant African land snail. So... I I mean, I can picture that. So you know, the the picture of this—I'll put this in the notes. This picture of this giant snail—it's probably like taking about this guy's full hand. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's giant. Rob, if uh, I saw a snail like that, crazy big. I I
1: don't. I think I would be happy to be quarantined in my house. That thing is huge. (laughs) It is massive. It It could. uh, That thing could bite your finger off. It is a big snail. Like I. (laughs) If I looked outside and I saw a snail like that going across my driveway, I would just call in sick to work and just call it a day. It is
3: massive. You'd be happy to have the, the yeah, it is definitely a big snail. So, you know, note is one of the most dangerous snails in the world. It feeds on at least 500 different plant species and can be devastating to a region's agriculture. So just in case Florida doesn't need another invasive species issue, here we go. We got this African land snail. And just that, you know what, what they need to do is hopefully the pythons like eating it because the invasive python could just fix the the land snails and then they we get the uh, snake snakeaholic out there and take care I of all the pythons. I actually think in
1: the uh, opposite order. I think the uh, snails might eat the pythons because they're huge. <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> because that they're is, that big. That is a big snail, and and 500 like that's like that's a that's a devastating. uh devastating creature if it's eating that much agriculture. I mean that's a pretty drastic measure to like lock them down and just spray everything but man that is something you don't want to get loose.
3: Yeah that's true and you know, they also go on to note that it puts humans in proximity at risk because it can carry a rat lungworm parasite which can cause meningitis. So yeah not only is it going to hurt the plants but it actually is going to potentially create a real issue uh, to Health, unlike you know the the c word that they had out there for the last couple of years years
2: yeah i don't know what uh so yeah did you did you happen did you see this
3: did you see this snail jack
2: i did i uh only thing i was thinking about is could i use it for bait for snakehead i wasn't too concerned about the uh (laughs) agricultural effects or anything i'm not uh, the when you see jack one running around with
1: uh only like four fingers. You're gonna know what happened. He was trying to use one for bait, and they lost the finger. He a bit it off. <laughs> I mean, that thing is huge. Yeah. And it, I see here that it it lays 2,500 eggs each year. So you know, you let that you let that creature loose for a couple of years. Man, that thing's gonna take over.
3: Yeah. That, that, yeah. No doubt. And uh, once again, just because, like everything else. Thrives in Florida. Florida has the perfect environment and climate for these snails, too. Yeah, just crazy. So, you yeah, know, watch Damn, out for sure the invasive African snail if you're in uh, Pasco County, Florida. And I hope uh, they can get that under under control down there for sure. So, I also want to uh, point out, Rob, Governor DeSantis. One uh, more thing for you. So, yeah, the quarantine,
1: The quarantine was not a lockdown quarantine. I see. It was just that they were no they were not allowed to bring soil plants and building materials out of that area so it wasn't it wasn't that people were stuck inside but they probably chose to stay inside knowing that those were uh, moving about right yeah no doubt But that, that is a terrifying so, creature.
3: yeah that is a good fact check there Alex. hey we got our fact checker alex on that one so he, he took care <laughs> of that one for us so so yeah, there you go. Invasive African snail. I know, I know topic.
2: that this bubble, this bubble would rather get the Rona than Lyme's disease. I can tell you that. Yeah, no
3: doubt. So on to some more news. We talk, we're talking about tick. You want to talk about a real pandemic? That is the Uh Just like Jack went on to say, I think Bubble would rather get the Rona than Lyme's disease. No doubt. You know, where's Fauci on this one? This is a real. Where's your vaccine here, Anthony? This is a real pandemic here. And, uh, you know, seriously, though, there is a record number of Lyme disease in Erie County in Pennsylvania. Just to take one county and one of the highest statistic states where they're finding these Lyme disease uh, ticks in Erie County, it's a record number. And it's uh, I don't I don't know. I don't know what's out there to really uh, fend it off. Right. I mean, it's just crazy.
1: It is. I know hunting. It is a constant uh, fear of mine. Actually, just this past spring, I've had the first time i ever had a tick embedded into me and uh so i've been pretty fortunate in that caught it pretty early not a big deal but i know i used to hunt a, a property that i would sometimes if i if i had to tromp through the woods and not go on the path so i would come off with like 10 15 ticks on my clothing and that you know that's a, a real concern um so i started using, using sawyer's permethrin which is yeah. a is a game changer um you just spray down your stuff and it's good for about a month um, And you can actually, I think you can even wash it a couple of times and it won't lose the, uh, the effect and the ticks just climb on you and they die instantly. And ever since I've started using that while hunting, I don't, I can't say I've seen a tick on my clothing since then. So that is a game changer. Uh, it is worth every penny. I I think you can get a a bottle of it for 10 to $15. Highly recommend it. Um, if, if you, if you have a high density area of ticks, you got to use that stuff um and it's also i mean if you're a hiker you're just going out in the woods fishing i sprayed on my uh my hip waders in the spring when I'm trout fishing uh use it all the time highly recommend it it definitely knocks the ticks down um but yeah that is a serious concern getting Lyme disease and apparently there's some kind of new disease that it's been spreading too i don't i don't know all the details or what that's called but apparently the the symptoms of this disease uh start a lot faster and it is just as serious as Lyme disease. I don't know if Rob or Jack, you have any other information on that disease. I, I just kind of briefly saw that in an article one day. I didn't look into it too deeply. I don't know if you yeah, guys have fact, I, added I, to that. Yeah, in fact, I
3: believe the Daily American had uh, some article on that uh, a while back. And it talked about this basically like a super, super Lyme disease that t- the ticks have been uh, have been uh, known to have. And yeah, you mentioned the peripherum. This stuff, it is good stuff. I totally agree. Definitely spray that on your, your gear uh, pre season or, you know, fishing. You know, the fishing season never ends. So uh, definitely worth having on you. And I, I think that is the, that Sawyer stuff is probably the go to stuff in the market. The ticklab.org, I believe that is the site ticklab.org. If you go out there, you can find the statistics of what the, what, They've done, they've tested, they list how many deer ticks or various different ticks that they have and have they, they list the percentage of what they've found that were actually infected with Lyme disease. And you can go and click on any state. So particular states here that really affect us, at least our two and a half listeners, 32% of the ticks tested in the state of Pennsylvania were found to be infected with Lyme disease. And uh, I know, so if you switch that over to uh, the Mar- Maryland or any states around here, let's see where Maryland's at. I don't know if you guys saw that. Jack, did you see that?
2: No, I'm not surprised, though, the way, you know, there's thousand, you know, like Alex was saying, you, walk, you go hunting somewhere and you're at least coming out with at least one or two on your clothing. Yeah. So that's definitely something you got to watch, especially when you get all your gear off too, where you're keeping your gear, you know. Yeah, exactly. But that that spray sounds like the way to go that doesn't affect uh you know deer don't win that or anything do they well they say it it
1: doesn't if you put it on your clothes or like i mean maybe if you like put it on your clothes and then you went hunting right away i would say there's maybe a chance but the fact that you put it on and you let it sit for you know you can let it sit for 24 hours or i think they say to let it dry they're not you're not supposed to get on your skin so I think as long as you let it sit 24 hours, I can't imagine that it gives off much scent. Or you can even put your cover scent over top of it, and it won't won't affect.
2: How often they recommend uh, spraying your stuff down? Is it once, you know, every hunting season? Uh, or I don't
1: have the bottle, Rob. Do you have a bottle week. on hand with you right now? I don't know where my bottle's at, but it's it's a couple weeks, like six weeks, eight weeks. What's it recommend, Rob? Do you see it there? i do yeah i do have the
3: bottle in uh uh like 42 days it looks 42 days so
1: that's almost the entire hunting season you could put it on i usually for me i usually put it on before archery and then usually reapply before the rifle season in pennsylvania and not had any issues with it since then
3: yeah definitely 42 days might cover you in pennsylvania and then certainly towards the later season it's going to start getting colder in pa but the areas at least specific to maryland I mean, you you're, you're Maryland's starting beginning of September and running all the way through January, so you might halfway through the season reapply um, and, and give, especially since the sense of temps, if the temps don't uh, get too cold until late, real real late season in Maryland. But certainly in you know other climates across the Midwest, uh, you know, or down south, you're hunting down south, Florida, Georgia, Alabama. There's certainly some big bucks in those areas. You'd probably definitely, in fact, we probably be might be not be telling those those bubbles down there anything new
1: they might be already beyond that yeah another <laughs> another thing to think about with that permethrin a little uh, DIY tip if you are having issues with ticks around your yard or maybe you have a dog that constantly is going out and getting ticks on them i've seen people take a like a empty toilet paper roll and they'll get dryer lint and they'll spray the dryer lint with the uh permethrin and then stuff it in that tube or even just kind of walk through the yard and uh kind of scatter the dryer line across their yard. And what happens is mice will use it to make nesting material. And apparently baby mice have lots of ticks on them. So they kind of take it back into the nest and it kind of eliminates the ticks in the nest and kind of knocks them down. So if you're having issues with ticks around your yard, that's always something you can try. I don't know. I don't have a dog that goes outside or anything, but I know Rob, you do, Jack, you do. If they ever come in with ticks and you kind of think that you might have an infestation around your house. That is something you guys could try.
3: Wow, that is a Bubba tip right there. A Bubba DIY tip. Alex, that is golden right there, my friend.
2: Nice. Definitely a genius Bubba came up with that one. Good deal. Bubba Bubba's, news segment Bubba there. will survive.
3: The Bubba's will survive. There you go, Jack. Yeah. Good deal. All right, so the main segment here on Bubba the Hunter, episode 10. We got uh, the Severn River Angler, Eddie Weber. Eddie, thanks for coming on
0: yeah thanks for having me i'm really excited uh to talk about snakehead and just what got me back into fishing
3: yeah exactly so snakehead and just any other dynamic you know i i would consider you a dynamic angler being snakehead and, and anything around the severn and the bay probably as you uh as we were talking there you uh grew up you know along the in this area and certainly uh probably have a lot of hours
0: out on that water i do yeah i uh I grew up on the Severn, lived here pretty much my whole life in Annapolis, and uh, you know, just recently got into snakehead fishing. But uh, you know, I love pickerel fishing on the Severn. Mm. I fish all through the winter. Uh, I, that you know, we were talking about it. That keeps me sane through the winter, just getting out. Uh, it's just all about bundling up and uh, and warm shoes and and keeping your hands warm. Uh, but uh what else? Uh I do a lot of striper fishing. Um some largemouth, you know, when I'm uh snakehead fishing. But uh yeah, snakehead and pickerel I'd say would be my 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 passions around this area for sure.
3: Yeah, certainly. And uh that explains uh the Severn River angler title for sure. Absolutely. So, growing up on the growing up around the area. And yeah, I've noticed that uh you know, I'm kinda I'm somewhat new to the uh the, the this area as well around the uh, the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, but pickerel definitely, it seems to be a, a big thing in the wintertime here. I know at least for one of our past guests here, Eric Packard, he is always posting, uh, of course he fishes almost every day I think, which is awesome, he's living the, the Bubba dream. He is. Uh, but uh, he, he definitely goes out there and uh, I, I think he fishes some pickerel tournaments and stuff and definitely seems a like a big, you know, along with uh, the, the striper scene, seems like pickerel is a pretty pretty big scene too which was you know was that was eye opening to me
0: oh absolutely it's it's really exploded over the last few years uh cca does a tournament uh from this year It was november through february hmm. um and it's it's the biggest i think it's the biggest three or something like that i, I forget what mm-hmm. the what the stringer is but uh and there's different Calcuttas now, and yeah, Eric, like you said, played second there uh, last year, and I'm definitely going for them this year because uh, <laughs> it, it. I, I love pickerel. They're they're kind of the the winter snakehead for me. They uh, they're they're just a different you know kind of oddball uh, species, but man, they are they're fun and especially on light tackle. And mm. you go out there some days, uh, I mean, it's exploded in the Severn and, and some nice sized ones up to, I think my best last year was 25 and a half out of the Severn. Oh, nice. uh, yeah. Citations 24. Um, uh, and then there's some really big ones up to 27, I think. Uh, and some ponds on the Eastern shore. So we get over there in the, in the wintertime on the kayak or uh, some of the Western tributaries here for some pickerel roll, at, at I love it.
3: Oh, that's awesome. How, how did you finish in that one this past year?
0: Uh, I think I was like twelfth or fifteenth. Okay, uh, hey,
3: that's respectable there.
0: Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. There's some uh, there's some amazing anglers in that mm. in that tournament that have been fishing for pickerel for a long time, um, and the I wasn't able to get on the eastern shore as much as I wanted to, and that holds the really big ones. Uh, but in the in the Severn, I think. I think my top three were all from the Severn, uh, and I was I was really happy with that. So,
3: no, nice. You know, an interesting little tidbit. So, I recently just got a boat, and we were out just uh, uh, we launched from Fort Smallwood. Was just hitting some of the docks around the area, just mm-hmm. ho- with the kids, just hoping to catch some uh, white perch, and uh, put beetle spins on for the kids. And uh, my daughter, she's seven, she caught a, a pickerel. And this was probably, oh, this was May time frame. Yeah. And so she caught the first and the biggest fish so far out of our boat. And we were just <laughs> throw, throwing the be- beetle spin in around docks. You know, I'm just hoping them to get a tug on a line for some yeah. white perch. And she, you know, latched onto a, a pickerel. So, um, yeah, it, you know. uh,
0: they'll slam those for sure. I um I was out the other day looking for a snakehead in the Severn and actually had a pickerel uh blow up and eat my frog. Wow. which was nice. the first time ever. Yeah, right on the grass line. Uh didn't land them cuz their mouths are kind of weird. Uh they're yeah. like kind of soft and hard at the same time, so they're they're hard to hook especially on a frog, but but that was pretty cool. Uh and they're going to they're a really good uh population and some some nice sizes. I think we're going to see a a 26 and a half uh come out of the Severn this year be my my prediction
3: Oh, wow, that's great. So, yeah. so, what's a main um kind of uh angle on those? You just you know, fish the docks for them,
0: some docks, um, structure, uh, mm-hmm. like actually, I had really good success off of Ripper app last year, hmm. uh, rock structure, um, and kind of off that like second or third ledge where it goes from uh. You know, two feet to six feet. They'll sit right on that ledge, waiting for bait to come off and uh, just slam it. Uh, around fallen trees uh, is really good. The docks is great. Uh, one of my buddies does really well fishing off docks. Uh, it's kind of just just preference. I'm I don't fish docks as much as as structure, but uh, yeah, those are kind of the top the top three spots.
3: Hmm, nice. Yeah. So
0: yeah, the, the beetle- Saturn- Torpedo spins, and uh, I use this lure uh, from High Octane, which we call the Torpedo Spin. So it's a jig head, about a one-eighth ounce jig head with a little plastic, and actually cut the tail off and put a tail spin, uh, like a blade on the back, screw it into the back, and they just nail that. Uh, Anything flashy, they love.
3: Oh, Nice. So high octane custom baits is uh, was that basically a tailored lure towards pickerel or kind of just one of those lures among their repertoire of?
0: Designs? Yeah, it was. We um, there we started kind of with a um, there's a company that makes a dart spin, uh, which is a pre-made uh, spinner of spinner off the back of a paddle tail, but we thought of the idea of being able to use your own plastics that you have, adding different color, uh, blades on the back. Uh, so you Mm. can have any plastic you want and add a different blade on the back, uh, rather than having kind of a, a pre-made lure. Uh, and they hold up great. Uh, you know, a lot of people have concerns about them being, you know, cut off and stuff like that because Pickerel love to nip the tails off of stuff. But, uh, if you have a pretty durable plastic, you can screw it in there and hold up really well.
3: Nice. So uh, the Severn, full year-round fishery for sure, with, Absolutely. The, with the sounds of that. Absolutely. And, you know, I've heard people catching snakehead in there. I think you kind of alluded to there. You were uh, maybe in around the Severn in some spots, you know, fishing for uh, for snakehead, and that's when you had that uh, pickerel pop up on you. Um,
0: yeah. So I haven't the- caught in the, in the Severn yet. They're, uh, they've alluded me, but uh, I've definitely seen a pretty good amount, and uh, my buddies caught some. Hmm. um so they're definitely in there but they're not quite the you know population of some other spots but uh that's definitely my goal is to get one in there this year
3: on the topic of snakehead you know that's what everyone wants to hear about anyhow <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, when did you get the uh, snake bit and uh you know, was that done the? were you actually out there targeting him or or uh, you know just out there maybe bass fishing all of a sudden oh wait
0: yeah, so it's kind of a funny story. It kind of connects to the pickerel. I uh, met my buddy Steve. Uh, Steve Khan. He's the owner of High Octane uh, Custom Baits, and he really got me into snakehead fishing. He said because uh, I used to be, you know, huge into striper fishing, and I I do a pretty good amount of uh, rock fishing and striper fishing still. But uh, but yeah, I got snake bit hard. I'd say kind of beginning of last year, uh, May ish time. Wow. Uh, maybe April. And he said, you know, man, if once you hook into a snakehead, I mean, you're just, you're just going to be obsessed. It's, it's just a whole different fish, the kind of the hunting mentality of it, uh, the way they kind of track down a lure, uh, eat a lure. It's, it's just a whole different kind of, kind of fishery. And I dove in head first, got my kayak and uh, have been, you know, addicted ever since and love doing really gotten into tournaments as well. Um, which has been a lot of fun, kind of a new sport, uh, if you will.
3: Nice. I I love how you equate that to. It's kind of like a hunting, you know, hunting adventure out there you know, kind of playing in the hunting aspect of going after snakehead. Absolutely. That that is cool. Yeah. Bubba the hunter. I I love that. And it surprises. So, and I I did not know this here, Eddie, it surprises the crap out of me that you've so you're basically one year into snakehead fishing you have progressed like crazy i mean just looking <laughs> at your instagram feed and the youtube stuff out there and what you got going on with the tournaments and stuff and how you've been doing so wow yeah i'd say you know what's the secret but uh, maybe a little bit of it is this high octane custom baits that i keep hearing too but uh, maybe i need to really need to get into get some of those get that yeah. in the webinar stuff so uh wow i i'm i'm sitting here still Like making notes, and you just started basically a little over
0: a year ago. Yep. Good for you. Wow. I mean, I I, I got some good mentors on the high-octane team. Uh, You know, Steve, uh, there's a bunch of guys on the team, Warren, Nick, uh, Kelly, Billy, and Mark. Uh, Man, they're they're just some fantastic anglers that we really uh, have come together as a team, and they have taught me a ton. A really a ton and we we go out a lot as a team uh fish tournaments as a team together and it's all about kind of building that network of just buddies that love fishing around a great company that has uh fantastic lures i mean that's pretty much all i throw now and yeah i mean it's just it's just researching and and diving head first into it
3: yeah that's great you mentioned uh channel marcus there yeah we definitely we had him on uh, an episode here Bubba the hunter um, so, and, you know, the one thing that, uh, out of that little, that you mentioned there is just the kind of the camaraderie and just, uh, uh, you know, just having that great group of friends and just going out there and fishing because, you know, fishing, going out there and catching fish. Yeah. But there's that whole level of just being out there with some great fishing buddies, just, you know, and it's like in hunting, going to hunting camp and everything else. And, uh, that's, that's great. You definitely have that. Uh, sounds like you definitely have, uh, some, like a good setup there with those, with those guys in high octane custom baits. So yeah. That, yeah. That I always is.
0: heard that, I always heard that um, kayak fishing was kind of a cult and I've, uh, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely bought into that. It, it's a whole different, a uh, whole different kind of fishery and camaraderie out there. Cause you're all kind of on the same playing field in a kayak where uh, out on the water, you know, you could have one guy with a thousand rods and you only have two rods or whatever. So uh, mm-hmm. it's more of a level playing field and just it's just a different camaraderie out there you're right
3: yeah definitely is uh, that's uh that's great in fact you know one time uh oh, it was just a oh a couple weeks ago i ran out you know was out in the water like i mentioned uh mark with channel marcus was on an episode above the hunter a couple episodes back and we had never met in person and there you know we're at the uh, this uh, one spot there i'm getting my kayak all loaded out and he was just kind of showing up and it's like hey you know, we ran into every, you know just each other right there in the water, and uh, he was out there, and I think that was uh, when he posted one of his uh, personal best there. Oh, that's um, right after that, but uh, yeah, the, yeah, he's a the...
0: fantastic angler, yeah, and an incredible guy. He keeps me laughing out there. Uh, it's all it's all about just being easy and uh, not getting too much into your head, and he definitely helps me with that out there.
3: For sure. So on that, you guys, uh, I think I've seen you guys fish some uh, tournaments together. You yeah. guys, uh, with the Hayak Custom Bait Tournament, I think, that re- recently had, well, I guess it's been a month ago or something now. Do you, do you guys have, you know, one thing when I talked with the, the winners of that, that, that the last Hayak Custom Bait Tournament, Jack Hare and Chris Diggs, Yeah. Um, they talked about their opposing styles of fishing for snakehead. Do you find that the, you and Mark have a, a, an opposing style?
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, he definitely likes fishing the pads, loves fishing the pads and I like fishing a little bit more structure. Um, structures in like wood or, uh, kind of those grass clumps or whatever. Uh, and and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll sit in the pads and throw around the pads all day where that kind of, I have a tough time with that sometimes Hmm. I'll just say, But uh yeah, and then sometimes the lures, you know, I'm I'm real into chatterbaits. He's real into the uh kind of inline spinners, uh the the mini weedless trident from high octane, so that plays off nicely. So if you know they're hitting the chatterbait, we can kind of uh, or vice versa, we can uh give each other tips on that. And he just has a, a great eye for uh for where the snakes are going to be and uh man he's a he's a hawk for uh those fry balls too we were fishing earlier this year when they were just popping up and he was like oh yeah there's one over here i'm like dude how are you spotting those <laughs> <laughs> nice so yeah it, it's fun
3: yeah that's great to, to have someone like that can just spot those out yeah i i think you know in fact i we've seen some uh, pretty decent uh short clips on your instagram feed where you were fishing over fry balls, you know, and for the listeners out there that might not know um, what a a snakehead fry ball is, could you maybe just describe what you see and what you're maybe targeting for when you're uh, seeing a fry ball?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's looks like kind of a little school of minnows, but what is different is they're always bubbling on top. So the snakehead, um, the big snakehead, I don't know if they have to breathe there, but they can breathe there, so they'll come up and gulp air every once in a while. But the little ones, I think, have to breathe there a lot more, so they're always on top uh, in a kind of a little tight little cluster like a ball, uh, and are just kind of bubbling, bubbling on top. So usually, usually they're around um, kind of the grass edges or um, around some kind of structure uh, like the pad edges. Um, and I've seen recently that like in the morning time, like early, early, especially when the sun's not up, uh, or the sun's barely up, they're kind of out a little bit further. Like the, uh, the parent and the fry are a little more comfortable, a little out from shore. And then once the sun comes up, they definitely tuck in tight, uh, into the, into the reeds. Uh, and a funny experience this morning, I was actually on the shore and I was just paddling through this little Creek. And there was this huge fry ball right in the middle of the Creek. And I was just like, Hmm. what are you doing there? You're not supposed to be there. (laughs) But, uh, I casted toward it and there was two parents. And unfortunately I missed both. Uh, video will be up on my Instagram soon because, uh, the bigger of the two, I hooked into it and it swam directly towards me as fast as possible. Wow. and they do that a lot, which is just crazy. As no other fish I've ever experienced, you know, when it gets hooked, uh, just swims directly to your line. And trying to keep up with it was just too much. And then I got it right by the boat, and I was trying to keep the, the tension, but I guess it just wasn't tight enough. He gave one shook at the boat uh, or at the kayak this morning, and, and he was off. But, um, but, yeah, fry ball fishing is – is my favorite time of the year. And we were talking earlier about, you know, if you're a beginner and what kind of month uh, to come snake fishing where you're like, all right, this is my best chance uh, to come. So I would personally say, well, it's kind of two months. So we're talking a little bit about uh, you guys came up in, uh, in June, June can be pretty tough with the spawn uh because they're usually spawning sometime in there and that this june was pretty tough uh as well uh because it's really hard to predict the spawn with especially their first spawn with weather and uh rain and stuff like that so i've seen they're gonna see the most fry balls uh and some are actually on their second spawn by now in in july so now I think is the best time. You know, if you if you want to come catch a snakehead, I think July is the best because they're they're done their first spawn for sure. Uh, east side, west side, and you know east side they could be on their second spawn and some more fresh fry balls uh, coming up. Um, or the second month, uh, second best month, I would say would be May, uh, early May mm. for the pre spawn of the first big spawn. Because uh, they usually spawn kind of late May into June, and it can lag on uh, to the end of June. But those I'd say are the best months because you can. But May also can be cold, so uh right. it's A little, it's a little hit or miss in May. July can be super steamy, but if you get out there in the morning, uh, you can have a you can have a really good day.
3: Yeah, you know, one thing I've never been able to really pin down is how many times does a snakehead spawn um you know i, I don't know in, in your experience have you had that or especially with uh, the group of guys you go out there with
0: yeah uh, it's it's tough to say i i would say at least three yeah wow um, from my kind of shortish experience um i would I, think it would
3: be close you know be close to that because at the if you look at the the window of when you see fry balls. I mean, like you said, you just saw one yet again today and it seems like guys have been seeing them for maybe, I don't know, almost like two months. It seems like, you know, from uh, the social media posts and stuff. That's quite a, quite a window there to see the fry balls.
0: It is, it is. And that, you know, that first big spawn is kind of when all the fish I think are spawning, you know, generally East side goes first and then the West side kind of follows. Um, and I don't know if the west side, being that's a little later, maybe does two big spawns and the east side does three. Um, it's, it's hard to tell because today what I was seeing was definitely more small kind of fresh fry balls, I would say, uh, mm-hmm. with, with parents on them. So smaller fry that have definitely not been more than, you know, a week or so rather than, uh, you know, the first fry ball showing up like a month ago. To six weeks ago, where those you know parents are probably gone, and those those fry are uh, more juveniles now, <laughs> right <laughs> uh, fending for themselves.
3: Yeah, so I think that pro- that answers one of the major questions that I that I got there from from people about, and especially just the, the guys that I know, my fishing buddies from back home, Western Pennsylvania. Their one trip down to the Eastern Shore, uh, one or two trips maybe a year. So uh, I think maybe we need to uh, maybe target the del- July time frame. Neo, yeah. About about, the, about right now, we're we're just entering, uh, coincidentally, just first day of Shark Week on Discovery Channel for all your shark <laughs> listeners out there. But uh, yeah, so July time frame, maybe early August. But yeah, like you said, it can get steamy in the hot. But hey, get out there early and uh, yep. hit the water, yep. find some areas. Absolutely. Um, how, what, what are the major factors to look at to impact... How the snake are going to behave. For example, like you know, water temperature, and it seems to me that tide would probably be a pretty big one because I'll find you know go out, hit early morning one time, and it just seems like you know if the water's up, tide's up, they are just way up in the junk, way up in the Phragmites, way up there, and it, you can hear them popping a lot, and it's just almost impossible to get to them. Do you see in your experience of how the tide can impact that, and what's the what's your favorite tide level if there is a you know impact that you see?
0: yeah yeah for sure um tide's definitely a big factor uh and i would kind of put that in with water level uh because the west side is more tide dependent and the east side you know Blackwater is that's ish area that's what kind of references uh the east side is more like water level because the tide it's hard to predict over there I've, i've never found a reliable kind of tide chart yeah uh and if you're way up in some of those rivers, uh, the tide takes so long to, to come up and down. But it's more water level. And unfortunately, that can be kind of predict- unpredictable. Other than, you know, of course, if it's raining five days in a row, Monday through Friday, going to the eastern shore is probably going to be pretty rough on a Saturday because that water is going to be so high. Like you said, it's going to be uh, mucky. And it's going to be, they're going to be way up in that stuff that you can never find. Or <laughs> you, can, you can hear them, like you said. Yeah. Hopping yeah. Back there, but that's uh, that's the most frustrating part. You know they're back there, but you just can't get them. So kind of just hitting the right water level. Even today on the shore, it was a little high, but I got out there super early, and they were really active, really everywhere. Uh, I don't know if I just got lucky today, and it wasn't super high, and the tide was coming out a little bit. And that's what I'll say from the from the western shore side. I would definitely say a falling tide, so going from high to low, because that will bring them out of the, you know, the deep grass, the deep reeds and bring them more to the, the edges where the tides come in or, you know, from the back of the creeks to the, to the mouth of the creeks. Um, they're definitely more tide dependent on the Western shore where the tides are, uh, coming up and down pretty quick.
3: Yeah. Uh, that's some, that's some good info right there. Some good tip, tips and, uh, I think uh, maybe that's one that you've covered on Tackle Tip Tuesday. Maybe I, you know, that's certainly one that uh, on your Instagram feed, uh, you've done a nice job on that on your Tackle Tip Tuesday. So, uh, any sneak peek to what you might have coming up on this Tackle Tip Tuesday here, in fact, this, this episode won't, it'll drop after that. So, if you know what it's going to be, you could share it with us now, but uh, <laughs> we're talk a little bit about your tackle tip on that, that because that, that's some, that's some pretty good stuff.
0: I like no, that. I pre- I appreciate that. Yeah. It's something I just came up with one day and, uh, uh, sometimes it's a struggle to find something, think of something, but, uh, I try to, you know, some of it just comes to me when I'm, when I'm out on the water and I was out this morning. So, uh, I got a couple of things written down. I'm not exactly sure what it'll be, but, nice. uh, just want to, you know, help out the, the guys that are starting out. Um, Just like so many people helped me that, you know, and it helps me, to be honest, uh, you know, think through my own tips. Uh, But it's just to just to help people with those small things that uh, I've gotten a few messages like, hey, man, you know, I I use your tip and it it called me uh, this snake or this pickerel or this rockfish or something like that. Uh, And that's some that's really cool, very rewarding thing that that people are uh, checking them out.
3: Yeah, good deal. Yeah, that's nice. And uh YouTube page too. You got some uh, good content on there. So, you yeah, got anything right. uh coming up but as far as tournament-wise?
0: Yeah, I got the uh on Saturday, uh this upcoming Saturday, which I was kind of pre-fishing for today, uh have the second round of the Gauntlet, which is hosted by Amped Up Outdoors. So, uh it started with about 55 guys, I think, 53. And the top twenty had to move on, uh, or top twenty moved on to the second round. So I think I got like thirteenth or fifteenth. Um, oh, nice. So yeah, now it's the top twenty, uh, and you got to move into the, you got to finish in the top five to go to the championship round. So that's uh, that's the goal for this upcoming Saturday.
3: Oh, nice. And yeah. is that based, Is that on the west, on the east side too, or anywhere? Much.
0: uh anywhere yeah anywhere i think in uh maryland virginia delaware new jersey maybe pennsylvania but uh yeah, yeah kind of the main the main five states you yeah. can say
3: the yeah the main the main group there nice yeah. did Did jenna marcus make it into that uh you... he
0: did not unfortunately okay. yeah well. it was a uh it was a rough day of fishing actually i only got two fish uh luckily i got a 30 and a 20 something and that got it me got, got to... you in yeah <laughs> yeah so it was a rough day all around. I think only about, he, he did catch one or two, uh, but I think only about half the field even caught that day.
3: Yeah. As I recall, I believe that day just was full of rain. It rained pretty hard that day. I believe on that. Saturday. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then it got real sunny and they were, uh, and, you yeah. know, that's a, that's a tip I've, I've gone over and it was, uh, when it's super sunny, they get tucked in, uh, to those reeds and stuff pretty, pretty tight. So, well uh, number one get out there as, as early as you can you know before sunrise get to your spot because um, that first hour and a half to two hours uh, you know yeah. right after the sun comes up and then after that they'll they'll tuck in pretty tight. Uh, you got to really find the shady spots throw uh, darker darker frogs stuff like that or the, or they'll move deeper as well into more of the channels.
3: Hmm. yeah so you want that kind of prefer- cloudy overcast yeah maybe ultimate time frame okay
0: for sure, for hey, sure. that's another that's uh, another good uh a tip there i think we covered all the questions there all yeah right. appreciate it it was uh i man i like just going back to it uh i i just love uh snakehead fishing and uh it, it's really got me hooked um still do a lot of fishing on the severn uh obviously still do some uh striper fishing and i'm really excited for the pickerel coming up because i think that's going to be a uh, a very very productive fall winter time so they start really turning on kind of early november so yeah mm-hmm. that that really gets me through the the winter
3: yeah that that's the uh fishing that keeps you sane in the winter time the pick i, I gotta follow up with you on the on the pickerel on that one quick question on that. is that do you is that kayak fishing or is that from your boat
0: uh a little, or bit, a little of, bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. On the okay. Eastern shore, we'll go in the kayak, but uh, on the boat, mainly in the Severn. Yeah, oh, good deal. Okay, you got to bundle up.
3: Yeah, for sure. But hey, that makes it even better, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. That's great. No bad weather, just bad clothes.
3: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well said. I like it. So, yeah. well, hey, man, I think it was a good talk there. I appreciate that. We covered some questions there, and I know uh, one one of our big thing was uh, you know if we're only making one or two trips a year. Uh, especially guys making a you know a, tr- a longer trek, what time of year? And so I think uh, they need to get down here right now. Is basically as well. They, yeah, they do. We talked about <laughs> yeah, they that, do. that July out. time frame when it gets real hot, and uh, and there'll yep. still be some fry balls out there, and go out there and uh, catch some snakeheads. So cool. yeah, so uh, good deal, Eddie. I appreciate that. So the Seven River Angler, you can find them certainly on uh, Instagram and on YouTube, and uh, we definitely will put the. Uh, links in the description, and when we post it out to social media on Bubba the Hunter. So, uh, so Eddie, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, all the info you got here. We look forward to hearing a more Tackle Tip Tuesdays. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, especially how you do on uh, this coming Saturday. Best of luck to you. I hope you uh, you're in the top twenty of that group, and I hope you finish uh, in the uh, top five to go into the championship. We're going to be pulling for you.
0: Appreciate it, man. So,
3: oh hey, you know, I we can't go on without talking about you have these shirts. And I can't believe we forgot yeah. to talk about your shirts. So, uh, the yeah. So, uh, tell us a little bit about the shirt. Yeah. So
0: yeah. I, uh, uh, kind of back up to my, my brand that I started with the seven river, angler. uh, didn't want it to be just about me, but, uh, what there's not a lot of river stuff, river specific stuff out there. So I decided to put a uh, seven river angler, uh, t-shirts and stuff together, uh, just to, for people that love, uh, Love striper fishing or just or pickerel fishing because that's kind of the design. Mm-hmm. Uh or love the Severn. Uh and I have a Severn River living uh shirt as well for just people that, you know, just enjoy the the Severn River. And that's uh really evolved into the shirt I just came out with now. Uh I have to uh shout out to uh Mike Mike Homefire, Homefire Studios. He does all my artwork, he's incredible. Good deal. Um yeah put a shirt together for snakehead it's got uh snakehead on the back and it has uh snakehead fishing uh hooked forever um because it's literally once you hook into your first snakehead it's a it's an obsession forever so uh push some shirts together with a pretty realistic snakehead on the back with a kayak guy and a frog on its mouth so uh and actually funny funny story the snake head on the back of the shirt that uh that head and that lure in its mouth actually came from one of the fish that mark caught oh uh, nice on his uh on his instagram feed so mike does an amazing job of putting all that stuff together and uh yeah hit me up if you need a shirt uh i don't have any a website yet uh but uh i can always do stuff direct through through instagram or uh facebook or anything like that
3: yeah good deal yeah i've uh i've uh, signed up for two shirts on there so uh, i'll be yeah. following up uh, with you on that so good deal yep. so uh all right hey eddie if it's a good talk that was a good appreciate- 30 30 plus minute talk there on uh some and maybe we'll have you back on maybe we need to get you and uh Chana Marcus on here some uh you know on a future to see how your seasons went but uh yeah yeah, let's do
0: a roundtable. Bring, uh, bring some guys and uh, and Steve, uh from High Octane maybe, and uh, we're all, we'll all just talk some more Snakehead. And then in the fall, once winter time, we'll follow up with some pickerel fishing.
3: Oh, I love the sounds of that. Yeah, pickerel. Yeah. That, that's That's uh, I definitely want to get into that. So, yeah, for sure. The all winter right.
0: Snakehead. The
3: winter, <laughs> uh, the winter Snakehead pickerel. I like that.
0: Good yeah. deal. All
3: right, Eddie. Well, all thank right, you, sir.
0: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
3: Final shots. One more cast on this episode here, um, Jack and Alex. How about it, guys? Your first uh, first co-hosting event here with us. Uh, how was it? You, you're coming back. You coming back for some more? That's what that, that's what the Bubbas want to know. Our two and a half listeners out there want to know. Are you coming back for some more?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And Alex, hey man, you brought I, uh, some information I live, I live, for, live for the Bubba Show.
3: Nice. My man, Jack, living for the doctor, Alex. Doctor, wait, hey, we're gonna call him the doctor. The doctor is in on when we have the Bubba, the Bubba the Hunter podcast here. When the doctor is in, when Alex is here, the doctor is in.
1: You know, Rob, I want to thank you for inviting us. Yeah, on. I know all
2: those bubbas are out running to grab
3: spray.
1: Uh, Jack, he runs his mouth a little bit. <laughs> Kill their mice in their <laughs> yeah, he, he thinks it's just a joke, but when he when he has Lyme disease or his dog has, I'm Lyme to get disease, some... We'll see what happens. We'll see who's laughing, but Rob. I'm I'm, Appreciate getting, the invite. I'm getting
2: drier uh, linen as we can speak. Can we
1: mute Jack? Is that possible? Uh, <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I, need, I need to take more control of this uh, this yeah. year as a manager. And, Listen, uh, if yeah. you're going to
1: have me and Jack on this show, you, you're going to need to really uh, have us request on mute or mute because me and Jack will probably end up getting in a fight at one point or just uh, <laughs> getting into it. So, yeah, the mutability will be key. Um, Jack runs his mouth a little bit too much sometimes doesn't necessarily know what he's talking about so appreciate the mute function on right now can't talk so i just have the stage but rob i want to thank you for uh, the invite uh i'll be be happy to come back sometime i feel like i've i've arrived on the big show you know all all of our four or five listeners uh two of them are jack and i so i won't have to listen to it now so that'll probably cut us down to three um, <laughs> yeah unfortunately, so that's yeah. not very good odds but but we'll keep trying you know hey Rome wasn't built in a day
3: yeah, that's right. Hey, you know, and when Alex is on here, it's forever going to be known as the doctor is in. So uh, thanks, doctor, for showing up. Jack, as always, you know, uh, living for the Bubba Show, my man. So and uh, and of course, we had our little, our little. yeah, our
2: little, you know, I, br- I bring the knowledge. You bring the knowledge. You bring the experience. So there you go. Absolutely. I'm, I'm out there in the field doing the things Bubba's do. There you go. Hey, that's what we need. You know, we need
3: a a Bubba out there in the field a and we, a lot
2: of real life Bubba experience. And we here. need a
3: doctor for the show. Good deal. So hey, on that, uh, Bubba out. Hey Jack,
1: wait, wait.
3: <laughs> uh oh, uh oh. We we got to come back. The doctors the doctors in session. Go ahead, Doc.
1: Jack, you might want to. Get some toilet paper. One, one more cast. One more cast. One more cast.
2: Nice. Shots fired, Bubba. You better shut this down.
1: Yeah. <laughs> edit it out, probably.
2: Take control.
3: Yeah, I'll take control of that <laughs> and edit that out. This this editing here is going to be a new one here, but uh, I feel like we're, we're starting over like episode one here, but uh, that'll be good stuff getting you guys on. Hey, you are going to be on it. Well, I'm not doing an episode without you now, so...
1: Hey, do so you know that? One small step for Alex, one giant leap for
2: Bubba. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the show is about to take off. Nice, I it. Like to the it. moon. This Bubba, Bubba, the Hunter stock is about to skyrocket. So, all you Bubbas out there, make sure you're buying stock in Bubba the Hunter podcast. We're about to take it to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: man.